0: if you will turn to James 5, verse 12, I, I must confess to you that I spoke hastily, hastily last week, said that there was only one more sermon in James. I can say with confidence this week that there's only one more sermon in James, but it's not this week. So forgive me, I forgot about verse, uh, verse 12 of chapter 5. And I, I want to I speak to this quickly today. And you say one verse, I'm going to get us out of here at a at a good time, famous last words, but um, I think this passage today it, it will it speak to all of us. I, th- I think all of us, when we when we look at the word like a mirror, and we look at this verse and see the reflection of ourselves, I, I think I think uh, it will stand alone, uh, even the to the applicableness of what James is writing thousands of years ago, but what it speaks to us today. And James says simply, but but above all, verse 12 of chapter 5, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall into judgment. I was speaking to a man on Wednesday, um, uh, and uh, I asked him about Church and he grew up in a church and I asked him what, where he was today and he says I don't go to church anymore and I said why is that and he said it's a bunch of hypocrites. Esther's laughing, she was there, and and I do a Bible study every other Wednesday with Esther and David and some residents at a home that they own and manage. And uh, when I got out my Bible out to do the Bible study, he could not get out of the room quick enough. And the reason was he said is the church is a bunch of hypocrites. And I realize that his situation, there's more to it than that. But the reality is, is the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. We we violated this passage probably as much as any other passage in the Bible. We've made oaths that we had no intention of ever keeping. We've made vows that we absolutely did not keep. We, we've spoken words here and spoken different words over here we''ve We've, we've violated this passage in so many ways and I, and I want to close it and bring that home. The reality is of what James is saying here is this, and you see it on your handout, our truthfulness should be so consistent and so dependable that we have no need of oaths to support our word. The, the reason that oaths exist, the reason why we say I promise the reason why we swear, the reason why we do all things is is because we're dishonest. And we know the person that we're dealing with is dishonest. And we live in a culture where our word no longer is good enough. We've got to back it up with all kinds of documents. We've got to back it up with all kinds of things. Our word isn't good enough. James is dealing with this here, even in his culture Your word was no longer good enough. And and James is dealing, we started in in chapter 4, this whole thing, he's dealing with worldliness. This is is one more evidence of worldliness and its infiltration into the church that people of God, the the men and the women of God, our word, is no longer good enough. Oftentimes not even amongst ourselves. James has dealt with speech in every single chapter of this letter. He has dealt with it in every single chapter. It is the one, of the most, one of the most telling, one of the most formidable, forthright ways that the world learns about us and sees who we are and whose we are. It's through our speech. And, and see, in, in James's day, just like in our day, when these Jewish brothers and sisters were saved and they had lived in a culture that was that was not becoming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when they got saved, they brought all this junk into their walk with Christ. When you and I got saved, we too brought all this junk into our walk with Christ. Lies and bad theology and all this worldliness. And as we sift our lives through this Word, as we read this Word, as we study this Word, the, the Word of God begins to hopefully push out that worldliness and fill us with truth. But but. One of, the, one of the things that the Jews were very good at, one of the prominent things in the Jewish culture was oaths. And if you want to understand this, this text, why he was saying this and what's behind it, I want to give us a quick theology of oaths and where they came from and, 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 and how they got here, because we, we, we're dealing with the same thing today. The, the word oath in Hebrew was shabuah. It meant to swear. The Greeks used a word that was orkos. It meant to bind or to strengthen. In other words, your your word wasn't strong enough, just your simple word. So you needed to strengthen it with something else. And we we know this even as little kids. How how many of us as little kids say, I swear on a stack of Bibles. I swear on this. I I pinky swear. I do this. Why? Because our word's not good enough. One of the earliest sins that if you have children, one of the earliest sins they commit is what? Lying. Did you do it? Nope. Okay, so you were the only one in the room, and this happened, but you didn't do it? Nope. Okay, so you were the only one in the room, you're trying to get to be honest. Nope. Lying. Lying. And so to strengthen the word, you know, what, you know what they would do? They would swear. They would appeal to something higher. That's what, that's what you do when you, when you swear, when you take an oath, and when you do these things, you're appealing to something higher. You're looking and saying, you know what, I know you don't trust my word, but, but, but let's take it a level higher. And, and the oath in the, in the culture that James writes, the oath had three parts. And you see them on your handout. The first part was to test the truth. They would take an oath. They would swear to test the truth. The truth. It would test to the truth. The second element was, it was to call God as a witness. The third element was this, to invoke God's punishment if you violated the word. I mean, that's, that's still today. You understand that that's still what goes on today. When, when we take an oath, that's what we're doing. We're appealing to something or someone higher than ourselves and we're saying, you know, so help me You've heard that before. So help me if I don't do this. So help me if you don't do that. We're appealing to something higher. And, and to say, I, and, and again, they they would say, I swear, and, and I'm only, hear me, I'm saying this in the context of the sermon. I, I hope we don't speak like this outside the sermon. But they said, I swear to God, that meant I, you know I'm telling the truth because I want God to witness to me telling the truth and I want God to punish me if I'm not telling the truth. That's what it meant. And in those days, they didn't have contracts. They didn't have all the things that we have today to help make binding documents and, and to, to guarantee your word and, and everything. So they needed to be able to trust the simple word of the person that they were speaking to. And the heart of the issue here is what James is getting at is telling the truth. Turn back to Matthew 23 with me. Just for, I want you to mark this in your Bibles. A couple places in Matthew, just so you can understand the context. You've heard me say it before, time and time again. Context is king. If you have a text without a context, you have a pretext. And you make big assumptions, and you can get off in never, never land if you take texts out of their context. In Matthew 23, verse 16, listen to what Jesus is saying. He gives eight woes here. Listen to what Jesus says. Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple is obligated. Jesus said, you fools and blind men, which is is more important, the gold of the temple that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering on it, he's obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Listen, this, whoever, therefore, whoever swears by the altar, swears by both the altar and everything on it, and whoever swears by the temple, swears both by the temple and who whom dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven and swears both, swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. The, the Jews, and, the, and the, the, especially the Pharisees and the scribes, they had came up with a very um, specialized system of oaths. And, and they, would, they, would, they had done this so that they could get out of their word. And, and they would mince words, and they, they were very technical. It, it became, they, they had no intention. When they had no intention of filling it, they would take this oath. When they had an intention of filling it, they would take this oath. And, and And you can look in, in, in I showed in verse twenty three if you by if you swore by just the temple, you had no obligation to fulfill your word, but now, if you talked about the temple, gold, oh, oh 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 oh, now, now we're talking, now we're talking now you're obligated. they had developed a system where they could meander all over the truth all over things. Close to the truth, all over things that were close to God, they could get right up to the doorstep of invoking God and His punishment. That's, that's where you see in James, he says, "Do not swear by heaven or by earth." They, they, wouldn't, they may not go so far as to say, "I swear by God, but they would say, "I swear by heaven." Sounds a lot like it. I, I swear by earth. I swear all by all these religious things whatever they could so that this is the point, so they could get out of their word. The whole point was to be able to get out of the word if they had to, to break their word. They could sound and they could appear truthful on the outside, but on the inside, there was no truth. It's very, very much like, again, like I said earlier, I, I, I swear by a sta- on a stack of Bibles, and you walk away and say, well, I don't have to keep that promise because I didn't swear by God. I just swear on a stack of Bibles, and you know, that doesn't mean anything. To the other person, it sounds like you're being very specific that you have every intention of doing what you're saying, but on the inside, you know you have no intention of doing what you're saying. Or, or, or making a, you see it in our culture, especially with kids, they'll make a promise, but guess what's behind their back? Their fingers are crossed. That means, you know what, I just said I don't really mean, I had my fingers crossed, I can get out. And, and the kind of oath-taking that was prevalent in their society was hypocrisy because it gave, the, it gave the appearance of a solemn promise, but the reality is there was nothing behind the oath. They had no intention of keeping the promise, or if something happened, they could get out of keeping their promise. Maybe they intended to keep it, but then the circumstances changed, and then they would pursue not keeping it, and they would say, oh, well, you know what? I only swore by the temple. I didn't swear by the gold of the temple. I only swore by this. I didn't sw- I just swore by heaven and earth, not on the, so I don't have, you know what? Circumstances have changed. I can get out. I can do whatever I want to do now. Because you know what? I, did, I didn't say that. They had become very particular, very sneaky about meandering through what was a binding oath and what was a non-binding oath. They were very, it was very confusing. It was not clear, especially to the person that was hearing, the person giving their word. It was not clear. And here's it. They were interested in, we hear this a lot in our word, technicalities. Very prevalent in our law system today. You get out on a technicality. See, they they were looking, they were getting out, rather than looking for ways to keep their word, they were looking for ways to get around keeping their word. See, and if things change, you know what? I only said this, I didn't say that, so I can get out. I don't have to keep that. They were trying to wiggle out of keeping their word. They, they, were, they, would, they would wrangle over words. They would wrangle over the definitions of words. We, we see that all throughout our society today. We see that in our leaders. We have presidents who want to get who get caught and want to argue over definitions of words that we all know what those words mean. We have judicial systems that want to argue about. Technicalities, they, it, 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 it runs rampant. Here's the point because we have a heart problem. Because at our core, we're dishonest. At our core, we want to do what is best for us. We want to be wise in our own eyes. We want to play God. We want to do what's best for us. And if that means getting out of my word, I'll do whatever I got to do to get away, keeping my word. In Matthew 15, 8 through following, Jesus said, You you hypocrites, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. They were hypocrites. Worldliness. They were selfish. It, It wasn't interested in sacrificial mercy as we've seen in James. It was selfish mercy. But within the Christian community that James is addressing, that Jesus was addressing, as we'll see in Matthew 5, there's nothing nothing new going on in James. James is simply reiterating Jesus' teaching. In Matthew 5, verse 33 through 36, listen to what Jesus says. Almost verbatim what we see in James. And again, you have heard, listen, he's comparing, this, he's comparing their ways to God's ways. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, Jesus now says, I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do you see that's exactly what James was getting at? nor shall you make an oath by your own head, for you can't make one hair white or black. But Jesus said, let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Listen to this. Anything beyond these is what? Evil. Evil. It's evil. This is what James is building on. And again, this is nothing new. I'll show you the heart of what I want to say today is found in Psalm 15, verse 4. Write it down for the sake of time. Psalm 15, 4. It may come up on the overheads there. This, this psalm is talking about it. It is the description of the citizen of Zion. This is God's people. He is describing God's people here. He's describing characteristics of the people of God. He says in, in Psalm 15, verse 4 in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Listen to this. Description of the citizen of Zion. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. You know what he's saying there? That man or woman's yes is yes. That man or woman's no is no. Think think about this. He's saying one of the key traits of a believer is truthfulness. That that passage right there in Psalm 15, 4 answers just about every every kind of um, objection that we might have to truthfulness. Every way that we might try to wiggle out of truthfulness. Every way that we might try to wrangle out of doing what we said we do or not doing is, is spoken to right there. One of the biggest biggest things you hear today is, well, circumstances change. That's not what Psalm 15 4 says. It says it don't matter if circumstances changed. He says, you keep your word to your own hurt. Oh, well, it's gonna hurt me. Well, keep your word. Oh, it's gonna cost me. Did you keep your word? That's the characteristic of our Father. That's to be the characteristic of his children. Just about every single one of our excuses are cut to the core by Psalm 15.4. Every single way that even, even, in our, even as we're sitting here, even as I'm sitting here under this text, I try to you, we try to think, well, what about this? What about, I'm trying to wiggle out of the Word. And then I go back to Psalm 15.4. Even to my own hurt, Chris, keep the Word. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why? Because it's the character of our God. Because it's sacrificial mercy. That's what we've received. Guess what? That's what we're to give. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Have circumstances changed since he made that promise? Yes, they have. Has things popped up in our life as believers that we're ashamed of and our Heavenly Father will be ashamed of in our behavior, namely sin? Yes, they have. Did God waver in His yes or waver in His no? No, He did not. That's the character of our Father. James says that's to be the character of His children. Listen to me. God stuck to His Word, even to His own hurt, even to His Son dying on a cross. He stuck to His Word. All the way back in Genesis Three, he stuck to his word says, Hey, I'm going I'm to bring forth, a, a my servant's going to come forth, and Satan, you're going to bruise him on the heel, he's going to crush you on his head. The moment God created Adam and Eve and, and allowed them to choose to voluntarily worship him or not, he knew at that point, Hey, if this thing goes south, Jesus, you're dying on a cross. God stuck to his word. He didn't try to wiggle out. He didn't try to get out on technicalities. It'll shock us. It's going to shock us, but listen to me. God did not save you for your glory. God saved you to His glory. Every single thing God does is to His glory. We just happen to be partakers of it. That's why 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it to His glory. Why? Because God's doing everything that He does to His glory. And we're to reflect His character. James is saying, People of God, we got to be different. We're not like the world. Again, Christians, he's saying, Christians, you don't need an oath. You don't need to say, I promise. Your yes is sufficient, your no is sufficient. That's your bond. It doesn't mean, real quick. It doesn't mean that all oaths are are sinful. You go into a court of law. Guess what? They're gonna you're testifying. You're gonna have to give an oath. That's not what James is talking about here. There are times where either God, even God, took an oath. What he's saying is, I'm telling you, I'm truthful. What he's saying here is though, is that that the worldliness of the tongue and the worldliness of lying and the worldliness of maneuvering. To try to help yourself out or thinking of self is worldliness and it had infiltrated the church. And look what he says above all, this is the most important thing that James has to say about the tongue be truthful. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. The most important thing James has to say is this our tongues ought to speak truth to the point where when people are dealing with Christians, our reputation ought to be I don't need him to go further. Look, Dwayne said yes. Dwayne means yes. KJ said yes. Guess what? KJ means yes. That, That ought to be our reputation in the community. And that's what James is dealing with. He's saying God's people ought to be set apart by truth as reflection of our Heavenly Father. Truth ought to set us apart. More than anything else, truthfulness ought to set us apart. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Even in, the, even in the context here of what James is writing, he's talking about persecution. You hear, I, you don't know what they did to me. I get that, and my flesh wants so bad when people come and talk to me. My flesh wants so badly to tell you what you want to hear. Hear me. When, when I speak and we're in counseling, I, I, I'm not trying to be, I, I'm not trying, I want to tell, but I cannot say more than this word says. And I cannot go places this word doesn't go. James says this in the context of people who are being hurt. You know what, they're, you know what they would have done? They, you know what? This person has offended me. I'm going to get out of some things. Let your yes be yes, no be no. Hey, they're, they're, not, they're holding my wages back. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Hey, they're, they're persecuted. You don't know what they've done to me. You know what James would say? I don't need to know what they've done to you. I do know what God said. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. And I understand there's circumstances out there. We're going to get to that. But what James is saying is our speech should always be honest, full of integrity and such credibility that people only need to hear our word. If Chris says he'll do it, he'll do it. And if Chris says he won't do it, he won't do it. Students, is that your reputation on your campuses? Moms, dads, singles, is that your reputation at work? Is that your reputation around the community? Is that your reputation in business? Hey, Scott Lashbrook, he said he'll do it. You can count on that, brother. Angela Story, she said she won't do it. You you can trust her. She ain't going to do it. If she says she's not going to do it, you don't need anything else. That's what James is getting at. Where, where, Where we as a people, when we speak a word... It ought to be absolutely true, and we ought to people that stand behind that word no matter what. What James is saying is where the Spirit of God has transformed the heart, there will be honest speech. And we've already seen in Matthew, he says at the end of here, here's, here's the danger, here's the weight of this. So that, why, Chris, why do this? So that you may not fall into judgment. Matthew 12, 36 I've shared it before, hugely convicting of me. It says every single one of us will give an account for every single careless word that we have ever spoken. Hey, look, if you're in line behind me, you better hold up. You just, just be patient. I'm telling you, I was awful. And I, you think I'm bad now? I was awful in high school. If it was, I, it wasn't vulgar. I, I didn't curse. It wasn't, hey, but if it was funny and it could get you to laugh, I would say it, the, the only referral I ever got in all of school was on that issue, just popping off of my mouth, and, 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 and it'll get us into trouble, every careless word, and, and, and not only that, I, I want to tell y'all, it had to do with band practice, I was my damn director said, Chris, man, you got that part down, you're really good, you must practice a lot, I said, I don't practice at all, Really? But your parents signed this practice sheet that says you practice four hours every day. They just get tired of hearing me play it, and once I can learn it, they're like, just get out of here. Really? Hmm. That's interesting. You can imagine what encouragement that was in my mom and dad when they heard about that. Truthfulness. I practiced. But I didn't practice the four full hours I was supposed to practice to get that A. I practiced until I knew the part, and then I put my trumpet back in the case. Went back to watching soap operas with my mama. <laughs> Days of our lives, another world, young and restless. But I digress. Truthfulness. Truthfulness. And listen, this speaks to some, one of the grossest violations of this text is this. And this is at the core what it's getting down to. It's taking the name of the Lord in vain. I cringe the amount of times I hear people say, oh, blank. Jesus, this. Oh, this. Jesus Christ, that. Do you understand that's an oath? Do you understand when you say that, you're invoking God into something that, that He probably doesn't want to be invoked into? You're, you're taking the name of the Lord in vain. You're swearing by a higher authority. You're, you're, you're trying to sneakily, in a way, do what they were doing here without really doing what you're doing here. You're, you're invoking God into it. You're blaming God. You're doing all kinds of things with God, and, and it's wrong. It's misusing the name of God. That, ultimately, that's what they were doing. The, the, this passage has so many, it's like a diamond. There's so many facets to what James is saying here. Truthfulness. Not invoking God into things that he shouldn't be invoked into. Bringing God's name into things that he has no part of. And, and it's interesting, in Exodus verse 20, verse 7, listen to what he says. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Same thing James says here, so that you will not fall under judgment. Taking oaths, using the Lord's name in there, and in ways that you have no intention of. It's, it's vanity. And what James is saying is this what he's saying about our speech is this let your yes be yes and your no me no. He is listing all, all communication, all conversation in the church. Every word that comes out of our mouth has been lifted to the level of sacredness. It's sacred. On a different angle. That's why Paul in Ephesians 4 says, Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification according to the need of the moment. That's Miss Barbara's favorite verse. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But only such a word that is good. our speech is a big deal. Every single thing that comes out of my mouth ought to be truth. It ought to be truth regarding the circumstances. It ought to be truth regarding the person I'm speaking about. It ought to be truth to the person I'm speaking to. Every single thing we say. And, and listen to me. We as a people can speak truth in every situation. And it will set us apart from the world. The reality is that's what sets the God of this Bible apart from every other God. That He's offered what? Eternal security. Eternal security. His yes was yes, and his no was no. We sang about it. He says, Come unto me, all who are weary laden, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. Yes, yes, no, no. In 1 John, he said, If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Don't matter what you've done. You say, Chris, but you don't know what I did. I do know this God's blood is sufficient. And if you come unto Him and you confess your sinfulness, guess what I know this, His yes is yes, I'll forgive you. And that forgiveness is eternal. His yes is yes and His no is no. Hebrews 13, 5, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Even when you come to God and repent, listen to me, even when you come to God and repent, He already knows about it. He's omniscient. I'm not telling him anything about Chris that he doesn't already know. The beauty of that is this. You're not going to tell God anything about Chris that he doesn't already know. And neither is Satan going to accuse me of anything that God doesn't already know about. Because you know what God's going to say? I knew about that and I still put my son on a cross. I know about that and I still save Chris. My yes was yes. My no was no. You see, we're, we're, this is about God's character. We're his children. We're to, to, to reflect his character. God didn't save you crossing his fingers in his back. He didn't save you looking for a way out. He saved you and he said, look, if I'm for you, nothing will be against you. If I'm for you, nothing can separate you from my love. And if you're here and not a believer today, you're still in your sins. Judgment is going to fall upon you for your sins, just like here for your tongue. And God, through Jesus Christ, has made a way for that judgment to be averted. And it's through repenting of your sinfulness and believing upon Jesus Christ. Believer, if you're here today and, and you're guilty, like I am, of misusing your tongue, if you're guilty of, of not following through with your word, li- listen, listen to just some. I said this is many fold. Listen, listen to all the ways that we can violate this. I, I sat down and I just thought, how in the world, what are all the ways? And I'll close with this. Outright lying is obviously one. But what about some more subtle ways? What about when we agree to things, but then circumstances change and we try to get out? What, what about this? What about when you agree to do something and you get a better offer later? What about if you told somebody, hey, I'll be there, but then you get a better offer and you're like, whoa, man, I, I'm going to go over here. Your yes wasn't yes. What, what about, what about when, the, when the contract at work isn't beneficial anymore? What about when the relationship's not beneficial anymore? Maybe in haste when we bite off more than we could chew and we tell somebody yes. You know what? Psalm fifteen four: A man of God, a woman of God keeps his word even to his own hurt. Think, think about this. And, and again... What about contracts? What about mortgages? What about payments? Foreclosures? Bankruptcies? Listen to me, I'm not condemning. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm, 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 I, I, I'll let the Lord deal and convict you. I'm just throwing out there ways that we as believers do not let our yes be yes and our no be no. Vows, promises... Matthew 5, the context that he says that is in the context of vows. What about this? What about when you tell somebody, I'll pray for you, and you don't pray for them? When you just flippantly, casually, oh, I'll pray for you, brother, and they don't, do you pray for them? Your yes isn't yes. What about, what about arguing over words, trying to get out of a commitment because you want to wrangle about the words? Yes, yes, no, no. When you, when you skew the facts, when you leave certain things out so you kind of got an out clause built in. I know some people like that. Are, are you known as a person that tries to look for ways to get out of what you say you're going to do? Are you known as a person that can be trusted? Are, you, are we a people that are going to keep our word even to our own hurt? as Psalm 15, 4 says. Why? Because that's the character of our Father. There there are so many ways that that we can violate this passage. There are so many ways here that we are killing the testimony of our Father and, and the character of our Father by His children not being truthful. If you find yourself guilty of any of those, like this pastor finds himself guilty of Here's the bottom line, Romans 5, 20, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. We shared 1 John 1, 6 through following is good for you, it's good for the unbeliever, it's good for the believer. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and to forgive our sins. This is not a a condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, "There there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But let's admit our sin and get clean. Let's let's at least have the boldness to go to the people maybe that we haven't said yes or no to and kept it and repent. That'd be a way to restore our testimony. That'd be a way to speak to the forgiveness of our Father. All of us have fallen short. Every single one of us have fallen short when it regards to this right here. Here's what I'm challenging us to. Repent. Get clean. Get clean. If we need to ask somebody for forgiveness, ask them for their forgiveness. If we need to ask God for His forgiveness, because ultimately our sin is more against Him than the other person, ask Him. Get clean. I I challenge us today. Start today. If it hasn't, be a people of truth. That's the beauty of the gospel. We can start today being men and women of truth. We can do it with our spouses. We can do it in our homes. We can do it with our kids. We well, can do it at our businesses, in our neighborhoods, at students, at school. Maybe there are people you need to go up to and say, look, forgive me. I told you I'd do that, and you know what? I got a better offer, and I said I changed my mind. I want to ask your forgiveness. You know what their next question is going to be? What in the world? Why? Because I have a Heavenly Father that offers me forgiveness. You see how the gospel is woven in? Even in repenting, there's an opportunity to share the gospel. That's the beauty of repenting. I've been forgiven much. And when somebody comes to us and confesses it, you know what we have to offer them? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I I challenge us to be a clean people. I challenge us to be a truthful people. A a people who does what they say they're going to do. Why? Because our Heavenly Father has done what He said He's going to do. His yes was yes and His no was no.